All right, we all have a buddy that's all the way in on crypto, Bitcoin, NFTs, or they're learning and they're teaching. Either way, it's a very confusing space for most. And this week, I'm going to attempt to break it down, dumb it down, simplify it with Scott McGregor, who hosts the Hot Wallet podcast on the Cryer Media Network. Everything in all of those categories, we're going to dive into what you should do, what you shouldn't do, how to do it, how to get into it, all of it. Bear with me, a couple of audio issues, but we power through. It's Do Did Will, the Story of People podcast with Scott McGregor of the Hot Wallet Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome. It's the Do Did Will Story of People podcast for another week. And the first gentleman has arrived to the show. We've done a couple of weeks of some incredible women. And uh, it's time to talk to a, a very awesome buddy of mine who does great things in uh, financial space and crypto space. So welcome, Scott McGregor, to the show. How Gretchen, are you, sir? Thanks. I'm great. I don't set the bar too high for people. I don't want their expectations to be uh, too <laughs> too big when it comes to me. But I'm just I'm just honored to be here, my friend. It's good to talk to you. Good to it's, see you. It's awesome. And when, when the, we'll get into all the stuff, but you were our go-to and and are our go-to person on uh, formerly the Dean Blundell Network, but now Cryer Media Network uh, for everything finance. And mm-hmm. if you guys want some really amazing entertainment, you need to tune into, you know, the last handful of appearances uh, of Scott on Dean's show because of this, the madness of the the fall of crypto and FTX and all the madness and him and Lachlan just going toe to toe on some fun stuff and, and Lindley and everybody. It's just, it's some great entertainment because the old people yelling from the porch, you know, are going on <laughs> yeah. about, our, 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 about it, cloud. you know. The old man yelling at the clouds, uh, you know, aren't uh, totally on board with the whole crypto space. And and people are reluctant around the world right now, given what, what was kind of going on with the madness. So I thought, what better time? Launch of a brand new show. People that do, people that did, and people that will. You fit into all three categories and an extremely topical and important time to have a conversation about crypto, NFTs, and all these things in the middle. Uh, and try to maybe break some of this stuff down and make it a little bit easier to understand for people. Sure. Uh, but that's kind of what's happening. So anyway, Scott is here from the Hot Wallet Podcast. Uh, everything finance, you name it. So let's get rolling here. Sir, Scott, what do you do? So I am a swing trader, uh, typically. I, I started uh, swing trading uh, over 10 years ago. And that was while I was working a full-time job in broadcasting. So I was in broadcasting for over 15 years. And then, you know, I kind of had a boss that got into trading. And, you know, he would kind of brag of like some of these trades he was making. Hey, look how much money I'm making. And I kind of had this attitude like, well, I mean, you know, it's my boss. I'm I'm smarter than that guy. I can figure this out too. And so I kind of got my hands a little dirty uh, messing around with uh, some trading just in a tax-free savings account, you know, kind of trying it out and did that for a while. And, I, you know, I didn't really do it very consistently for a while, but eventually I kind of developed a trading strategy that works for my personality and just traded that. And then eventually I kind of got noticed, you know, I was doing some videos on YouTube and whatnot. And I got noticed by a guy named Dan Fitzpatrick, who runs a website called stockmarketmentor.com. 
And uh, I had an opportunity to leave broadcasting and join him and work for him and his members. We have thousands of members from all over the world who are just traders, you know, wanting to trade their own account, retail traders and whatnot. And so I have been working closely with uh, Dan Fitzpatrick at StockMarketMentor.com um, since I think 2019, I think is when I started. And, uh, you know, I started out just doing a few videos for his website and whatever. And then, like I said, he he kind of said, hey, you know, I like what you do. Uh, you're helpful for members and you're a good trader. Why don't you come out and, uh, you know, leave radio and come uh, trade with me every day? And so... I've been doing that for uh, for a couple of years now, you know, helping people, uh, just like I said, retail traders kind of trade their own account and ideally gain financial independence. It's uh, it's brand new for so many people, myself included. I, I, I always, always, always am fascinated by that space. And obviously we, we uh, grew up uh, with the 80s Wall Street movies and all these yeah. cool things about how rad and, and wicked the stock market was. Um, but it's uh, it's a scary space for some, and I believe that you break it down very very simply for a great deal of people. So I think that's uh, I think it's awesome and important, and and it's it's uh, it's a go to. You should definitely check out Scott's stuff because uh, he very much breaks it down simply, and uh, I really uh, really encourage you to to check out all of his things when it comes to that. Now Thanks, we man. are in a space now of these magical words like what is crypto and what is mm -hmm. nft so while we're while we're kind of hanging on the what do you do part here of of your of this show uh, i want you to do me a favor and tell me what the hell is crypto scott <laughs> okay great so you know i kind of started out like most people very skeptical about bitcoin and all of these cryptos. I didn't know anything about it. And it was just noise to me. And, you know, I just used, essentially, I used my technical analysis that I learned through trading stocks and options and just applied it to crypto. And so I was looking at Bitcoin in, you know, well, uh, you know, throughout the summer of uh, 20. Uh, 2019, you know, that kind of thing, 2020, uh, you know, just kind of interested in it. And my brother-in-law was like, oh, yeah, it's it's like internet money. You know, it's, it's money for the internet. And I was like, oh, okay, that's weird. That doesn't make sense to me. And so what I did was I ended up just kind of buying Bitcoin because uh, it was breaking out on a weekly chart. And so I use charts and technical analysis for my trading and I bought it, you know, not really knowing what it was. And I immediately got rewarded because the market started to kind of chug higher. And so that kind of got me interested of like, okay, I'm making money from this thing, but I don't know what this thing is. And so I kind of learned as I went along with, you know, everyone else of like what this stuff actually is. And so there's really two schools of thought, two camps, you know, uh, there is Bitcoin, which is the world's largest decentralized monetary network. And then there is crypto. And those two things are really separated. And, and, and so when, you know, it, a listener is listening to this, don't think of Bitcoin and crypto as the same thing. You know, crypto is essentially a digital asset that usually represents uh, a network of some kind. And Bitcoin is already kind of a thing where it's a decentralized monetary network. So Brenton, if I want to send you 
50 bucks. I can send you 50 bucks from my phone to your phone uh, without a third party being involved. Like there's no bank involved with that transfer. So that's why Bitcoin is a decentralized monetary network. It's just software and it works. And I'm sending you money and no one else is involved. There's no person on the end going, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll approve this uh, transaction or whatever. It's just simply a monetary network that is decentralized and has been running for over 13 years. In fact, this year, I think, is Bitcoin's 14th birthday. Now, mm -hmm. everything else I call crypto. So that includes Ethereum. Now, what is Ethereum? Ethereum is kind of like Bitcoin, but a little more advanced. It has, a, uh, it has different technology built in. And so you can actually build smart contracts on top of Ethereum, for example. And, uh, and essentially, you know, a smart contract would be like, okay, let's set up a smart contract where... Every month on the first of the month, I have money sent to Brenton because he's my landlord. And that allows me to have my front door unlocked somehow. And so that's kind of just a basic understanding of what a smart contract uh, would be. And so there's Bitcoin and then there's crypto. And, and, and I really want people to understand that those are separate things. So completely uh, separate. Yeah. Bitcoin is listed as a commodity under the CFTC. And crypto, at least some of them, are unregistered securities. So they're kind of like stocks in a way, but they're you know they're unregistered for the most part and, and really kind of unregulated. Well, certainly unregulated, and and no more no more than we've learned in the last couple of weeks with the crash of FTX. And I'm not going to pretend to dive into knowing <laughs> anything about this other than what I've studied on, and I got friends that fill me in and all the rest of it. But ultimately. Let me go to this for a second. Um, so I'm sitting here at my computer and mm -hmm. you say to me, you should buy Bitcoin. It's $22,000 a coin right now, which uh, whatever, whatever it's going to be. And I say, yep. Scott, how do I do that? And then you direct me to, like you did before to shake pay or, or some kind of cool thing. But there are areas where you can buy stuff, right? I believe it's Binance and FTX. There's these two different areas where you can actually buy Bitcoin through certain avenues. Am I correct in saying that? That's right. Yeah. So you have to use um, a, a non-typical exchange. So if you and I are trading stocks, you know, we can use a, a bank like TD or Scotiabank or or a signal exchange uh, or, or account thing like a Quest Trade or something like that. Sure. But when it comes to buying crypto, we don't have that functionality built into those rails yet. And so you have to use something like uh, an app like ShakePay or uh, there's another one. Uh, Coinbase uh, is very popular. Binance is another one, although I don't think people in Ontario can use Binance because they're kind of in a fight right now with the Ontario securities. Sure. Um, and so, you know, basically, depending on your jurisdiction, you can buy Bitcoin and own Bitcoin, uh, you know, in an app or on a on a wallet like MetaMask that you can attach to a Google Chrome browser, something like that. And the question would be, well, why would anyone want to buy Bitcoin? You know, I, I, you hear me talking about it. And so uh, the value of Bitcoin, Brenton, comes from the use of the network. And so if you think of networks, you know, you think of like a, a social network like Facebook, sure. right? And, and the more people who use Facebook, the more valuable it becomes. The more people who use Instagram, the more valuable Facebook becomes. The more people who use Google, the more valuable that information network becomes. The more valuable, uh, or the, sorry, the more people that use Android network on their phone, the yes. more valuable that network becomes. And so that's how you think 
of networks. And so when you're valuing Bitcoin, well, you know, okay, I get it. It's internet money, but why does it have value? It's because there's only so many Bitcoin uh, that are in existence that will ever be in existence. And the more people that use that network, the more valuable that network becomes. And so that's what brings value to Bitcoin. And that's what brings value to networks generally. It's the number of transactions yeah. and the number of users. And we saw the fall of MySpace when everyone stopped using MySpace and started using Facebook. We saw yeah. the value of that network drop and we saw the value of Facebook rise. And so does that kind of give yeah, you absolutely. an idea? I don't think anyone's ever actually compared it to a network before. So you could put that into like the more people that watch NBC. The more people that watch CBS, the more people that watch TSN, the more people that watch Sportsnet, ESPN, however you want to break it down. Same thing applies to this. The more people that use Binance, the more people that used FTX, the more people that use ShakePay, the more mm -hmm. people that use you know MetaMask. There's all these different kind of like places. And I think the space is still so very, very confusing for a lot of people that are on the outside. Totally. But I think sim breaking it down simply like that. Uh, I just was in a coffee shop the other day and saw the first ATM machine. Oh yeah, that was like a Bitcoin <laughs> ATM those. machine where you could you could take you could pay for your order with Bitcoin at the coffee shop, and you had to That's do it so through cool. this machine. And I'm like, wow, you know. So it was very cool to kind of watch that. Uh, I have gotten out of it minorly, looking to come back into it, but it was mm -hmm. just sort of like. Wow. Okay. It's, it's, it's real and it's definitely coming along. So um, in that regard, we definitely uh, uh, will we'll dumb it down even more, but there was definitely a moment there a couple of weeks ago when everyone uh, around the water cooler was talking about the crash of Bitcoin or the crash yeah. of, of, the, of this world um, as basic and dumbed down as you could make this um, curious we're all we all know about this. You talked about this on your on your show about the FTX mm -hmm. crash, um, and then what happened between FTX, Binance? I think it was there was a little bit of back and forth. Break it down as to keeping with this theme of the network you just spoke about. Mm -hmm. Can you wrap what happened into that theory? Right. So you know when we talk about Bitcoin, Bitcoin is a decentralized network. FTX was a centralized exchange. And so, you know, a lot of hardcore Bitcoiners, they will say you'll want to take your coins off an exchange and put it into a wallet, whether that's a hardware wallet, like a ledger or a Trezor or a software wallet, uh, you know, like a Coinbase wallet or something on your phone. And so what ended up happening is FTX was an exchange and they also had a proprietary trading business on the side called Alameda Research. And what happened was Alameda Research ended up making some bad bets and they had some margin calls. And so a margin call is basically when you owe money to someone and they're calling you up literally and saying, okay, you know, we, we'd like to call or we'd, we're calling now to, to kind of get our money back. And so that's what we ended up seeing with FTX is where Alameda Research uh, the, the prop trading firm had margin called or margin calls. And the way that they paid off that money is they ended up using user funds through FTX. And so the FTX exchange, uh, people started getting a little shady of like, you know, something weird is happening here with FTX. Everyone should take their coins off the exchange. Well, eventually too many people took their coins off the mm -hmm. exchange and FTX essentially went insolvent. 
And that's why people lost lost their money is because they were paying off these margin calls with user funds because essentially they had all of their wealth, or not all of it, but a significant portion of their money tied up into uh, a token that they created. Uh, they created it out of thin air and they gave it value. And so when you have value that is based on a asset that could go up or down, you know, the value of your portfolio goes down if that asset goes down. And so people started testing the FTT token and they started shorting the FTT token to see, okay, you know, this token that they invented, is it really real? Like, is there a real bid under that? And if there is, this amount of short selling should should be consumed by all the buyers that are coming in and be like, no, 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 we believe in FTT, et cetera, et cetera. And so the FTT token started crashing. And then the value of the assets that Alameda Research has collateralized started dropping as well. And then again, so, you know, let's say I have $10 billion and then they started attacking this thing worth $10 billion. Now it's only worth $2 billion. Well, I got an $8 billion hole I got to fill. Where am yeah. I going to get that money from? Oh, I know. We have all these users who have money Let's start using those assets and and cover our cover. Did our they they goal. were challenged? Am I right in that they were challenged from somebody or somebody had made a tweet saying you should look into FTX and was that their competition that did that? So in essence, so, let, let me dumb that down even more. It sure. was like somebody at Fox News says, "I heard this about CNN. You should stop mm -hmm. watching it." And then CNN were like, "Wait a minute, what?" And then everyone bailed or. NBC was like, I heard CBS is going to lose all their programming. You need, to, you know, to, like, is it, was it something that, that simple? It was uh, somewhat similar. So there was kind of this uh, beef between uh, the CEO of Binance, uh, CZ, and the CEO of FTX, which was uh, Sam Bankman-Fried. And so CZ was one of the first investors into FTX, the exchange. And so Binance helped to get FTX started. And in return for that money, they ended up getting a bunch of this FTT token and, you know, all of these other assets. So, if, you know, if you're investing in my company, this is how I'll pay you back. I'll pay you back in this token. And then, you know, they had a bunch of this token. And CZ had heard that Sam Bankman-Fried was essentially lobbying against Binance because, you know, Sam never liked decentralization. He never liked Bitcoin. He wanted control over everything. And so he had his own lobbying going on in Washington to basically be like, look, you know, if you trust FTX with everything, it's all going to be great. And, you know, if I invested in FTX and I'm a competing exchange... I don't like the sounds of that. Sounds like you're trying to put me out of business. Yeah. And so essentially CZ from Binance uh, came out and said, you know what? We have heard these rumors. We don't like it. And we own a bunch of this FTT token and we're going to start selling it uh, now because we kind of just want to get out of this deal that we had made. And so, you know, we gave you the money. We'll take our money out via this FTT token and good luck to everyone. And then that's kind of when we saw the run on the bank when it came to FTX, because CZ is a big name. Binance is one of the biggest exchanges in the world. And if they say that we are going to start selling this token, well, why? What's wrong? And so that's where kind of the run on the bank happened. People started taking their money out of FTX. And then the FTT token started to really kind of break uh, break down. And then that's where we saw kind of this cascade of forced selling 
in all yeah. crypto because it wasn't just Bitcoin. It was all crypto. And, and what forced selling is, is again, if I have to raise money, if I'm a fund and I got a bunch of money, you know, tied up in these assets, I need that money on my balance sheet now because I don't think things are looking good. And then they are forced to sell those assets. And then you just get this big cascade of selling. And so that's where we saw, we saw that happen twice actually, <laughs> because Terra Luna, which was yep. a crypto that was based on an algorithmic stable coin, it ended up failing. And then we saw this big cascade of forced selling and then everything kind of evened out a bit. And then it was FTX coming in and then more forced selling. And that really brought the price down, you know, of Bitcoin to like these unbelievable levels. You know, it basically gave back the entire move from two years uh, where it ran up from, you know, at the COVID low, it was at around 3,000. It ran up to 69,000 and then pulled back from 69,000 down to around that, uh, you know, 16, 15 level. It's crazy. And, uh, as you I, mentioned now, it's just around that 21,000, almost 22,000 as we uh, record right now. I, I pay a little bit of attention and I, and I shake the, the app every day. <laughs> I shake the app every day. But I, you know, and again, I, you know, in classic stock fashion, I should be buying like crazy right now. But again, I, I need reassurance on this space like everybody else before I dive in again. So one uh, sure. of the Does things that, that explanation uh, makes sense. It absolutely makes sense from okay. the standpoint of dumbing it down as best as we can, because a lot of people Great. are new to this space, myself included still, even after a couple of years of, of, of investigating it, but it's happening and moving so fast that I'm mm -hmm. just trying to catch up to like, where's Bitcoin at right now? And then there's like, right. we'll get into NFTs and we'll get into a few other things after that. But, um, it's, it's quite something. Um, but I do have a, a question, a, a couple of questions that we're going to get to from uh, a friend of mine that's, um, that's in, into it. But, um, I definitely, uh, wanted to get into a few things here. Um, he, the, you just talked about Luna. So you being the expert, uh, time to be a little bit vulnerable here. How <laughs> did you make out on the Luna and FTX crash? Uh, so I never owned Luna. I never owned Terra Luna. You know, I, I actually had friends that were in Terra Luna and, you know, some people who I follow, like, you know, on Twitter or whatever, they were involved. I just didn't get it. I didn't really understand it. I was like, okay, so there's a mechanism where if I buy this stable coin, which was the UST stable coin, then it burns a certain amount of that, of this Terra Luna token. And that is what helps to drive the value of Terra Luna up. And so we ended up seeing Terra Luna go from like, two dollars brenton to like two hundred dollars you know something like crazy that. and uh and then you know what ended up happening is is again the market tests everything and so the market came in to test how strong this algorithmic stable coin was because the idea is you buy ust you burn terra luna but if you sell ust you then also you you uh sell Terra Luna. I think, I think I'm getting that right. I'm a little confused with myself here. And so you buy one, it sells the other. You sell one, it buys the other, essentially, is how it works. And so we saw that the break of the peg, and the peg being that it's a stable coin, so it should stay at $1. We saw that peg break, and then we saw a cascade selling of Terra Luna, the asset. And so it ended up just becoming this big downward spiral. Uh, which unfortunately is the problem with algorithmic stablecoins. And one of the reasons that I believe the U.S. is outlawing algorithmic stablecoins is because this happened. So, Well, they're going to um, get it. There, there is there talk about trying to regulate this finally. 
Or is it? Do you think there's yeah. even a chance of it happening? Oh, I definitely think so. Yeah. And it's it's something that the industry needs and wants. You know, I don't yeah. know any hardcore uh, crypto investor who doesn't want regulation. You know, sure. there's some people who say, yeah, but I thought that was the, the whole point. It's like live under the system, man. Look, I come from traditional finance. You know, I started trading gold mining stocks. And I know that if I buy a gold mining stock uh, and the company goes to zero, I'm probably going to lose my money. And so I want to know that I have those same safety and protections that I have buying a stock as I do buying a digital asset or a crypto. And so those, I think, are coming. It's really slow. And one of the reasons it's really slow is just because the technology is moving so fast and it takes regulators so long to catch up. You know, and, I, it's and moving I think with, so fast, Scott. It's uh, like I and I, I just when I think I'm like, I, I, I got this. And I was like in on the shake pay. I had some Ethereum. I had some stuff. I was moving through. And then I'm like, I don't now. Like, you know, I'm diving into I'm going to try to dive into NFTs next and we'll get into that. But yeah. um, it got it's so fast. And you know, I don't want to be old man on the porch, but I am trying very hard not to be old man on the porch uh because i want to be open to all this new stuff but man it's it takes a long long time to study you dove in a little bit at the beginning of this thing uh but let's uh let's move to the next section of the show sure uh scott how did you do it oh man i did it by losing a lot of money uh (laughs) and i did it wrong for so many years you know like i look back at my history and i had a few good wins here and there but Brenton, I had the I had a chance to make life changing money, and I did it wrong. And so, you know, How? I ended up um, How? How? Well, you know, one of the things about being an investor is, uh, you know, number one, kind of being a contrarian. And so, a lot of times in investing, when everyone agrees with you, and I heard this quote today, and I just loved it. When everyone agrees with you, as an investor, chances are you're wrong. And, you know, I started out trading just gold mining stocks, you know, didn't really know what I was doing, just kind of picked a few. And then I, I um, you know, started getting into kind of lithium and, and mining stocks like that because I saw kind of the electric car revolution starting, you sure. know, around 2010, 2012, something like that. And so I started buying some lithium miners and, uh, and I got some good gains on it. You know, I, I bought this one, it's called Lithium Americas, and I bought it for like 75 cents. And I sold it for like $2. And I thought I was, oh my gosh, I am a god. You know, meanwhile, had I done nothing, that stock ended up going up over $50. And so I did it by making a lot of mistakes and then taking note of my mistakes and saying, okay, I see what happened here. I saw the outcome. How can I get better? And as an active investor, as a trader, that's what you're trying to always do. You're always just trying to get a little bit better than you were the day before, the week before, the month before, and the year before. And if you can do that consistently, then you can make life-changing money in the market. And so that's uh, what I did essentially is I developed a strategy for swing trading that makes sense for my, uh, my personality. You know, I'm not someone who loves to day trade. I don't like being, um, they call it being a dick for a tick where you, it's like, <laughs> oh, it's up, it's up a little. Okay, I'm going to sell now. You know, I, I just didn't like that intensity. And, and so my style of swing trading is where I want to buy something and I want to hold it for ideally a couple of days, even better if it's for a couple of weeks, because that's where I can ride a little bit of that trend and then make pretty good money, you know, because you can make 1%, 2% a day, do that for 20 days, or you can just buy a stock that's starting to, break out of a nice base and ride it for a couple of weeks 
make 20% and not have to do anything. And I like that. I like that ability to ride a trend. How long did it take you to get to the spot where you're comfortable? You can look at a screen, read it right away, like a piano player, like mm-hmm. reading notes. How, what was that process? Cause you were in radio before. And yeah. That's a bit of a switch over. Um, and you have to be trained on it. And again, like we discussed, it moves fast. So mm-hmm. how, where were you, how, how long did it take you to be comfortable? I mean, it took me over 10 years, wow. uh, to be honest, 10 years of trying to do it all the time. And then uh, once I started to do it full time, I got even better quicker, you know, kind of an exponential, because if you're just doing it casually, and, uh, and I was for a while, it's like, uh, you know, you kind of have casual results. But just like any business, if you treat it like a business and you treat it like a, a serious uh, form of income or a serious job, then you're going to get better quicker. And so, um, you know, I, I kind of can get a little obsessive about things. And so what I ended up doing was at my job uh, in the radio is I brought an extra monitor to work. Ah. And so I would have like a monitor of like my trades and my stocks. And then I'd have another monitor with like my real work. And so that's kind of how I did it because I wanted to just stare at charts all day, you know, sure. and, and not that my radio job wasn't great and fulfilling because it was. And, I, you know, I feel like I did some really great work there, but I just kind of felt like I was being pulled in a different direction. And I just said, I don't know where this is going to go, but I just I enjoy it. I think it's important and I want to learn as much as I can about it. And so that's kind of what I did is I just over the years kind of got a little more serious and a little more serious and then eventually, um, you know, got got to kind of where I'm at now where I'm, I'm pretty comfortable trading and dealing with risk. And, uh, you know, if you're in radio or, or any business where you don't make a lot of money, it can be it can be a big deal to like risk a thousand dollars or put a thousand dollars on a trade. You know, like that, that was, I remember that being a big deal when I put a thousand dollars into a trading account thinking, okay, this is like, this is a lot of money, you know? And now I, you know, I'm now in my account fluctuates a thousand dollars a day or or whatever, you know, my crypto account fluctuates more than that. But uh, you know, but I have my thesis, I have my kind of strategy and I, I just stick to that. So it takes a while to kind of figure it out because what I do may not be good for you, you know, and mm-hmm. it may not be good for the person listening or watching to this. And so it's really about knowing yourself, knowing your personality, and then finding a trading style that fits with it. Because I know people who can trade 20 plus stocks a day, day trading, and they're like living their best life. And that would give me a heart attack. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it, so it's just really about who you are as a person, and then yeah. finding a trading style that works for you and your lifestyle. Um, do you, what do you do for, have you learned how to research uh, properly now? And by, by that, I mean like you, you know where to avoid and you go to certain places for your information. But I've got another question from, from, a, from a caller, from a watcher <laughs> and from somebody interested. But um, what are your, you know, what are, are you in NFTs right now? Are you sticking to mm-hmm. the other side of it? Um, and what is your research process and you making these decisions to, to invest your money in? Yeah, so I do have a bunch of NFTs. Actually, I just uh, wrote my friends because I just had my best NFT return ever. Uh, something I bought uh, from someone I follow on Twitter, and he put out an NFT project. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. I like this guy. Yeah, I'll buy it. And I bought it for $8. 
And nice. now, uh, now it's selling for three hundred. Where did you buy it? And uh, I just bought it through the Mint website that he uh, that he posted. But but mostly I buy NFTs through a website called OpenSea. Sure. And so what I find is it's it's really hard to do like fundamental analysis on NFTs. You know, you really need a few criteria of what makes an NFT valuable. And it really starts again with the network. So if this is a community of people, uh, how important do people think that this project is? How engaged are they in this project? Are they willing to promote this project for themselves? Are they willing to get involved in the community on Discord? Are, are they doing anything with it? And so you can look at NFTs again as kind of a network of value. And, and the NFT is just a digital representation or a token of that value. And a lot of times these tokens are PFPs or, or profile pictures where people say, look, I'm part of this community and here's my proof. It's a bored ape or it's a monkey with making a funny face or, you know, something like that. Yeah, there it is right there. And so this is the Bored Ape Yacht Club. And the Bored Ape Yacht Club is essentially a community of people who want to be in the club and this is their profile picture or or one of their assets and then when you have access to this community you have access to you know maybe certain perks uh, i believe they released a metaverse as well and so if you were a holder of one of these uh apes you then got airdropped <laughs> more stuff that you could then turn around and sell and so you know you could use it as like a, a money-making thing it's, or, it's, or something uh, like nfts that. are are it's a crazy space right now so um i heard about it years ago through music we got bands like our lady peace and some of these bands that are living in that space like crazy and, mm -hmm. and a lot of bands are taking taking it to to that space to re you know to own their fans again and kind of reconnect and have something more personal one-on-one -on -one with them instead of it just being taken and they have no control over it so it's kind of a cool space but i i had curiosities about it because i actually want to make one so i was sort of looking at you know that process and i'm investigating it a little bit right now. okay so, so uh, yeah it's it's a fun it's a fun thing to do it i mean so, for musicians it makes total sense you know yeah. just like what you're saying you get to own your material you know I, if i'm our lady peace i can put out an nft of you know an album yeah so actually kings of leon did this and i i bought the kings of leon nft where i get a digital picture of the album as an nft i yeah. then got a download of the album and then i also got a gold record limited edition mailed out to me on vinyl which is in a shelf Very behind cool. me and so and then uh, and what did that cost band, if you don't mind me asking what did that cost hundred bucks. so it was a couple hundred bucks and how many did they make or is it unlimited uh, no, they 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 cut it off as at a certain point. So I think so. It's almost 2, like a concert, po like a like a concert poster. So Pearl Jam make two hundred and fifty concert posters for that specific city. Once they're gone, they're gone. So in essence, they're a live NFT. You're holding it in your hand. It's just not digital. So exactly. Yeah. In essence, and the, the bands thing, get right? the money after yeah. the resale. And so yeah, that's yeah. one of the things. Like if I if I was to own. Uh, one of the Bored Apes or whatever, and I sold it, the creators of Bored Ape actually get a cut of that sale. Every and time so you imagine if you're a musician, yeah. you yeah. get a cut of every sale of your NFT. And so you're constantly making money. You Amazing. make money off the original, and then you get money as the popularity grows and as people are trading it or whatever. And, and I mean, we saw Donald Trump do this. I, I did a <laughs> I bit about the Donald Trump NFT. People made fun of it. Bro, he made $4 million in a day. 
I know, and my friend make who's fun of it all you all the, want. My friend who's asking the questions is severely kicking himself in the nuts on a oh, daily basis uh, to uh, because he uh, he didn't do it, and myself included. I was like, should I take a flyer on this thing? And I didn't, but I was like, just because I'm like, I just can't do it. Um, okay, we're going to move. Uh, a couple more minutes left. I know you're a busy guy. So uh, what will you do next, sir? So next is just continue to get better. You know, like I uh, had a rough year in 2022, uh, much like everyone else. And, you know, I didn't end up the year as, as, uh, as I had hoped um, in the beginning. And so now it's just really kind of reassuring myself of the basics of what I do. And so that's really kind of what I recommend to people. Anyone who's an active investor who's struggling, I'm always like, okay, where are you complicating things? Time to get back to the basics. And so that's really my focus for 2023 is just focus on what you're good at, focus on what you do best, and then just become a master of that thing. And so for me, it's always about buying uh, stocks or crypto that are in basis, you know, sideways consolidation. You can see the chart of Bitcoin here yeah. as it's in a sideways consolidation. Guess what, Brenton? That's where I was buying. Yeah. I was buying in that sideways consolidation. And now, whoop, we're way up here. And so that's what I do best as an active investor. And so, um, you know, I'm seeing it pay off over the last month or so here in crypto, though it took a while. And though it was scary, I just stuck to my process. And so now I'm getting rewarded with a, a nice little uh, pop here in BTC. So sticking to what you do best, uh, that's kind of my plan. And then at stockmarketmentor.com, uh, you know, I, I want to continue to evolve my uh, swing trading course. In 2021, I put out a swing trading workshop. It's about uh, six and a half hours long. And it goes over all of my setups of like, here's my key setups Here's how I trade them. Here's exactly what I'm looking for. And then here's how I exit the trade. And so I want to continue to kind of build on that. And we're ideally going to be putting out a crypto course uh, mm. sometime this year that kind of answers all of those questions that you were asking. Number one, what is it? Why does it exist? Why is it a thing? And why should I care about it? And then number two, how do I make money off of that? And so that's kind of my goal for this year is to is to put that uh, that together. It took me over a year to build out my uh, swing trading course, and uh, you know because I'm a, a perfectionist and and I want everything to be just right, and I also may, want to make sure that I'm super clear. And so with my swing trading course, I wrote out every single word that I wanted to tell people. It wasn't just like yeah yeah this is yeah you can figure it out for yourself, but here's here's the basics. No, like I, I took it very seriously and I wrote out every single word and, and said that word verbatim within the course because I wanted it to be just quality. And so that's kind of my plan for uh, crypto because it is such a bigger world than just trading patterns. Yeah. Uh, but there are certain metrics that you can use for trading stocks, um, you know, uh, that you can also cross over into crypto. You know, you can use the same chart patterns, et cetera, but then there's just different fundamental analysis that you have to do to kind of understand it. So that's kind of my plan for this year. And then I want to continue doing my podcast, the Hot Wallet podcast. Uh, you know, I'm kind of slow on it. I kind of, I, I mentioned this when you and I were getting going, I kind of have these spurts of creativity where I'll, I'll do like three of them and then I won't do anything for like a month. And so that's kind of my thought now is like, okay, I want to keep doing this. I want to keep talking to people who are, you know, in Web3, 
or in active investing or in crypto and stuff like that and just kind of uh, continue to build that out uh, through Cryer Media. So that's kind of my plan is to uh, do those uh, do those things. And then um, hopefully at the end of the year, I can take my family on vacation somewhere. <laughs> Are you anticipating a uh, final question here for you? Are you anticipating a big year for crypto to come back after all this stuff or, or level so stay the course what's your thought one of the main factors in uh crypto's fall not only was it that we had two major frauds kind of fall uh out of the sky was the rate of change for interest rates we had the mm -hmm. fastest rate of change for interest rates in all of human history and you know we had low rates for a while super low interest rates for a while, free money environment for a while, you know, cheap money. And now we've kind of moved into a higher interest rate environment. And typically in high interest rate environments, high risk assets like crypto or NASDAQ stocks, they typically don't do well. And so I'm kind of expecting a lot of sideways chop and slop for the next six months here when it comes to crypto. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't want to be involved in that because as we see from the Bitcoin chart behind me, you can buy things at 17,000 and they can run up to 22,000. And, and, and so those trading opportunities are still around. And so I want to be open-minded to better than expected outcomes. But I also know that just raising interest rates as fast as we did here in Canada, the US and around the world, has a major impact on, on risk assets. And we don't know how that's going to affect the economy as well going forward. So, you know, there's a lot of talk about recession. To be honest, Brenton, I've been talking about recession since March of last year on the Dean Blundell show. Yeah. No one cared. Uh, and I said, yeah, you know, in hyperinflation, things are going to get really expensive because they printed all this money. And everyone's like, yeah, 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 whatever, crazy crypto guy. Just tell me about the Bitcoin. And meanwhile... We, we saw exactly that. And so we don't know what a world is going to look like with interest rates higher for longer. And so that's one thing that I think is going to put just natural downward pressure on high-risk assets like crypto and Bitcoin. But that means, in my opinion, that this is a great time to learn about it. You know, as I mentioned, as an investor, you kind of want to be a contrarian. When everyone says something is going to zero, chances are it's not going to zero. Just like when everyone said in 2021, Bitcoin's going 100,000, guess what happened? It did the opposite. And so you want to pay attention to when everyone is on one side of the trade. And, and that's something that I pay attention to. You know, like I saw the post from everyone saying, this is it. Crypto's dead. It's still dead. It's dead again. You know, Bitcoin's over. It's going to zero, blah, blah, blah. I was like, hmm, everyone thinks that. What if it isn't? You know, what's my risk reward then? And, you know, I kind of did the math and I thought, okay, well, if I buy a Bitcoin at 17,000, I'm risking 17,000. My upside is unlimited. Now I just have to deal with my time frame. How long do I want to hold it for? And yeah. so, you know, when everyone is on one side of the trade, Brenton, that's when you want to look the other way because chances are someone's wrong. You know, not everyone can be right at the same time. And, and that's what makes a market. And so there was a lot of people who were like, clamoring no 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 bitcoin's way too high bitcoin's way too high but the majority of people around 68,000 69,000 like nope this is it 100,000 for sure it's going to be great we're going to get that spot ETF and we're going to go to the moon and we saw Elon Musk 
on, <laughs> you know, he basically topped Dogecoin when he's on, you know, when those things happen, you really got to pay attention to it from an other side of the trade perspective. So that's kind of my thought. The consensus is that it's probably going to, you know, retest 10,000. I think the the 17,000 level, 16,000 is pretty clear here on Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm more of a buyer here for the long term. But sure. I have a, you know, I have a long term time horizon. I've always said I want to hold it for a decade because I've had, like I said, I've had trades before where I sold out way too soon, but my thesis ultimately played out and I could have made life-changing money. Well, and coulda, shoulda, coulda, woulda is the story of everything now, isn't Well, it? I know. And so that's why this time I'm yeah. not getting in my own way. I have a long-term thesis, long-term uh, perspective, and I need to stick to that because if I don't, I know in 10 years, if Bitcoin is way higher than it is now, I'm going to be like, ah, I knew it. Shoulda, coulda, so, woulda. Yeah. That do. should be the name of my new podcast. <laughs> well, this one's called Do Did Will, the Story of People podcast. <laughs> you do things. You did things. And sounds like you will do things. We'll revisit this in 10 years and see how it, how you made out holding on to all this stuff. But I appreciate the time uh, today, buddy. This was great. Uh, very informative. And I, I, I wanted to get you on because everyone needs a finance person. And Scott is the guy that breaks it down for me pretty simply. And uh, I really appreciate the time. You can check him out. Uh, make sure you check out the Hot Wallet uh, podcast, which is very cool. He's going to be promises to do more episodes for you. So make sure you dive in on that. <laughs> I think you should. You speak well. You're very informative. And uh, thanks, buddy. And it's awesome. Uh, and and also make sure you check out Scott. Uh, he's at stockmarketmentor.com. And it sounds like you got a fancy little book coming out that's going to help the rest of us kind of wade, you know, through all this stuff. And I appreciate the efforts that you're putting into that as well. So. Uh, Thanks. Buddy. Anywhere else? No, it's, people... it's an honor to be on your show, Brenton, and and uh, just hang with you uh, once again. So appreciate it. Good stuff, everybody. That has been Do Did Will for another week. The Story of People podcast continues next week with someone else that fits into one of these fancy little categories. My guest today, Scott, fit into all three, and I appreciate the time. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy your day. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. We all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know? And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.